This is the Ayur What Now podcast, in which Mary Thompson and Jerry Thompson explore Ayurvedic principles and make them easy to understand so that you can benefit from this amazing health science. We're glad you're here. On this session, we'll continue to look at the causes of disease and how one may override the senses because of something they provide. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, hi, this is Mary Thompson, and I'm back with my brother, Jerry Thompson, and we're talking about higher what now? <laughs> and last week, we started talking about diseases, talking about the causes of disease. And today, we're going to continue with that conversation. But I want to check in. I know, Jerry, you were checking back on what we had talked about. Was there any um, tidbits of information or anything you wanted to talk about in revisiting the last week's topic on yeah. causes of disease? Yeah, you were talking about the cause of the diseases and your senses and, and how your senses might guide you. Uh, um, in one sense, you wanted to pay attention to them when they were telling you things that maybe you probably should really avoid. But on the other, it, it, the senses might actually, actually misguide you into things that you want to experience. It, it reminded me of something that I wanted to, that I used to use when I was uh, teaching uh, nutrition in nursing. And it was that um, people trust their senses and, and that one thing that your senses tell you is, oh, I like to eat sweets and, and having a lot of fat and things may really taste good. You're trusting your senses. And uh, it was one thing we were talking about. And that one thing with senses is that, you know, things that taste sweet and are extra fat are desirable. And uh, this probably, I, I think, came from the fact that uh, in the past, people would ha uh, have to uh, uh, desire to get as many calories on as they could, because there could be times of famine where you don't have those. And, and actually, uh, so it was a, probably a, uh, an advantage, a genetic advantage to have those desires to want to pack on. If there's a lot of berries or a lot of uh, meat, you'll just keep eating. And you might get bigger, but there could be a famine coming up where you'd get smaller. And, and the people that uh, uh, maybe had a um, genetic predisposition to sort of try to, oh, no, I'm going to just to stay more fit. During the time of famine, they died. But the other people, they would um, go on to go from being overweight or at least carrying extra uh, um, calories in their body to uh, uh, getting through the famine and, and moving on. So it seems like probably that desire that's, that comes with the, uh, uh, the senses saying, oh, let's have some more ice cream. Let's have, uh, yeah. you know, let's, let's, let's eat more sweets came from that uh, the idea that it's probably bred into a people over uh, hundreds of thousands of years. And it's something that we just don't seem to have famines nowadays. So we don't really have to prepare for them uh, like maybe people did in the past. Um, yeah, and I would think too, the sweets, the the, cal the calories, the things that are going to build, build the density and tissue and the sweets that we have, the sweets are so accessible. Yeah, you know? yeah they certainly are now. Yeah, <laughs> We used to have to work for them. And now mm -hmm. it's, I don't have to work. If I want a spoonful of honey, I just walk to the cupboard. I don't have to raise bees, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's like makes uh -huh. it easy. There's an Ayurvedic teacher, I think it was David Frawley, who said he called it the ding-dong factor. Mm. And he said, mm -hmm. you know, you eat a ding-dong. Now, for those of you that may not remember ding-dongs, they're little chocolate cakes with cream filling and chocolate coating. And he says, so you eat the ding-dong and your brain is going, oh my God, this is great. It's got all <laughs> this sugar and all this fat. This is terrific. 
Mm-hmm. And the body responds with, you know, I'm not really getting any nutrition from this at all. And the brain goes, then let's eat four of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you're right, because yeah, like yeah. brain thinks, I'm going to burn off all this sugar. I'm going to use mm-hmm. up all this fat. And then, you mm-hmm. know, then you get whatever nutrition you get. And yeah. we don't really burn up the nutrition. We don't really burn up the sugar and fat anymore. We, because mm-hmm. you spend a lot of days. Yeah, we're storing it yeah. for the next famine. <laughs> for the famine. And we're not moving. You yeah, know, right. I get out of, mm-hmm. get out of my bed to sit at the breakfast table and get out of that table to go sit on the couch or in front of the computer and sit in my mm-hmm. car. And I'm just sitting, 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 and just with these little short bursts of walking in between from the car to the, to the, yeah. to the desk. Yeah. And that's, um, yeah, that's true. And so I, but so I think that I like that I do though, evolutionarily, uh, what you're saying is that we were, we're, we're designed for feast and famine. Yeah. Because that's, then, that's what over hundreds of thousands of years, that's what mm-hmm. uh, the human animal experience. Yeah. And you think of it, looking at taste and foods, our brain is designed, you know, as this om- omnivore that we're always seeking for, is this food, is that food, is this food, is that food? Mm-hmm. So like when we're babies, everything goes in the mouth. And as adults, yeah. everything's still going in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Because that's how I yeah. learn. Uh-huh. Yeah, right, right. So that's a good jumping off place because that's the mm-hmm. first, what we look at in Ayurveda as the first cause of disease is this misuse of the senses when I'm just chasing pleasure or avoiding pain. Mm-hmm. So, okay. and if I look at food, sweet is pleasure and bitter is pain. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, sure. so here's that face you make when you're drinking a green smoothie or something, or someone brings you a real bitter green salad. And it's just like, yeah, I, I don't think I want to eat that. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's loaded with nutrition, the brain's sitting here going, you know, there's no sugar and fat in this. I, I'm, I'm okay passing by. Whereas the body's going, but, but, but vitamins, minerals, fiber, I want all that. And um, so I guess we could say the misuse of the senses comes when we listen to the the brain being the big addict and ignore the body, Mm -hmm. which is more wanting us to make sure we're getting a broad spectrum of things. We get enough sleep and we get enough nutrition and that we get enough activity in our day. And when you say, when you say brain and body, it seems like uh, uh, to me, the brain has to uh, um, decipher and and decide that, oh, no, we have to be more careful. Whereas mm-hmm. the body is really saying, hey, give it to me. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that, that the non-thought, the, uh, uh, the just the, the craving would yeah. almost be like the body. I, I, I sort of seem to have a, yeah. oh, that's a interesting uh, perspective on it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I like the brain with my senses. And just uh-huh. wanting, that's where I'm going. My brain does the senses and my eyes want to see things that's really interesting. And I don't want to look mm, at anything yeah. boring or dull. And my ears mm-hmm. want to hear things that are beautiful. And I don't want to say anything discordant. Mm-hmm. And so the brain is always in that space. In my view, the brain's always yeah. in that space yeah. of uh, when I am, what I, I don't want to use, I, I want to use the word unconscious, but I, it's like, mm-hmm. if I'm just going along with chasing pleasure, avoiding pain, then that's mm-hmm. what the brain's going to do. It's going to seek that. And the body has to deal with the fallout, you know? So if yeah, I stay yeah. up super late playing video games, my body's going to have to deal with that the next day when everything's kind of off. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm, and I hear I'm using the term conscious, but it's kind of like aware of myself, I guess mm-hmm. is one, one way of thinking about it, that I might make different choices. So it's almost mm-hmm. like I've got two qualities, I guess, that I'm thinking of when I think of my brain, I've got the unconscious part, which is just, 
I want to do the things that are super fun and that I find enjoyable. And the conscious part that says, I want to do this going to help me feel the best and keep mm-hmm. me awake and alert and focus and functioning really well. Okay. Okay. And, uh, but I, I understand where you're going to, that the body just is kind of, I don't know, it's along for the ride. Yeah. Well, so it's like my, uh, my reptile brain is to say, yes. Ooh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it in. I always love that. <laughs> the reptilian brain. Yeah. The reptilian brain. It's right. idea. No, the reptilian brain is that part of our brain that looks at stuff and says, is this food? I should eat it. And then uh-huh. it says, hmm. And I think of this with this misuse of the senses. So I check it out. Nope, not food. Okay. Is this a possible mate? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> yeah. I think it's my reptilian brain. Either I eat this or I mate with it. You know, it's one or the other. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, then I, yeah. I check in with that and I see how did that work? And I say, no. And okay, this is this an enemy and I should fight it? <laughs> Yeah, like these are the three (laughs) options the reptilian brain i guess or and i should fight it or i should run away depending upon if it's a bigger enemy than i am and i always think the the fourth one is kind of like this has no meaning for me at all yeah yeah okay there you go (laughs) so i just think that's that's great because it is here that's how we find out Mm -hmm. if something is safe is we check it out with that the the oldest part of the brain that reptilian brain and think about you know food food mm-hmm. sex and fighting yeah so yeah. it's just just crazy so mm-hmm. if we indulge that part of ourselves i guess that's the thing that we we go out this is how we explore the world you know i taste the berry oh i don't like that i'm not going to eat that berry or i mm-hmm. taste the salad and i like that and i'm going to taste that or i like the way it feels mm-hmm. um that's how we gain knowledge is with using the senses and that's how we gain the wisdom mm-hmm. So Ayurveda says, then there's another step towards creating disease. So I want to step back just for a moment and say, so the only way I could create disease by misusing my senses is by overindulgence, I guess, or um, experiencing something that's harm- harmful. Yeah, so, well, that, that's certainly, I don't know if I'd say the only, but yeah, I imagine the yeah. uh, absence too of, mm-hmm. um, uh, of good nutrition. Or of any kind also. of stimulation. Yeah. yeah. And so those are all misuse and that leads to different types of disease. But what happened while I was out there using my senses is I was gaining wisdom. Mm-hmm. This is good. This is bad. I like this. I don't like that. This brings me health. This brings me disease. And so the next stage of disease is one that they call a crime against wisdom. Yeah, okay. A, there's a Sanskrit term, but it actually breaks down into being a crime against wisdom, meaning when you don't act in your best interests. Okay. And so Last time we ended talking about like smoking or drinking or drinking coffee or something where your body reacts the first time you get it. You know, you take that first of a cigarette and you're coughing Mm -hmm. and your eyes are watering and you don't like the smell. Mm -hmm. Then the question is, my body told me not a good idea. Mm -hmm. So why did I reach for the second cigarette? Why would I try it again? Yeah. And this is when I begin acting against my best interests. My body did everything it could to tell me this was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. But something happened. And actually, I'm going to back off from cigarettes and talk about coffee, because I think coffee people can really relate to this, that you take that first sip of coffee, and maybe it's black coffee, and, and it doesn't taste good. Mm-hmm. But it feels good. Yeah, You know, yeah. it's like, you may not like the taste, but in 15 minutes, you're like, your eyes are wide open and you're, you're got mm-hmm. a pep in your step and you're focusing better. Yeah. 
and I think with with things like coffee, that's the that's the lure. That's the thing that brings you back to the second cup. Is it's like I want that sensation again, right? And alcohol, probably the same thing. Mm-hmm. That I take the alcohol, and I may not like the taste of it, but then I feel in my body whether it's relaxation or release, or my defenses mm-hmm. get get knocked down. And so I can understand those substances, why I might reach for the second one or the mm-hmm. third one or the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but with cigarettes, I think it's a little different because I, I don't know that you get that immediacy of some kind of physiological response of mm-hmm. a relaxation or anything. But I think it is. It's a lot about pure stuff. And yeah, I think it's pure stuff. And there is a little bit of a body sensation that goes along with you know, mm-hmm. the, although it's subtle. Uh, more subtle than uh, um, alcohol or yeah. uh, other drugs and things like that. But, um, I can think like with coffee or alcohol, it's almost like immediacy of the first mm-hmm. sip of it triggers some kind of, I don't know, neurotransmitter reaction. But um, I know with cigarettes, they were saying like people will say, oh, they need to relax. And then um, research was showing, oh, well, what you're experiencing is a withdrawal symptom and that takes away the withdrawal symptom. So it's like, it creates the tension Interesting. creates yeah. the tension that you're relaxing from. And I thought even through the drop in blood pressure, they said it created the rise in blood pressure with the withdrawal. And I thought that was interesting. interesting. Yeah. That we, yeah. Att- we attribute it with positive qualities that it's kind of snickering in the corner that yeah. <laughs> it didn't really give them to us. Yeah. Interesting. So this concept of a cause of disease is when we do those things that we don't think we should do. There's a part of our brain that says, really, really, should I be doing this? Mm-hmm. Or we don't do those things that we keep telling ourselves we should be doing. Mm-hmm. So for those things, I think of the times when I wake up in the morning and I should get up and do some stretching and I don't, mm-hmm. or right. I should get to the gym and I don't. Mm-hmm. And both of these would be crimes against wisdom. Okay. So, so you, it's something that you know you should do and you know it's the right thing to do, but you just don't feel like it. Right. Yeah. Or you just, and I don't know. I, I mean, I think we all have some, some level of addiction or bad habits, vices in our past, but I can sure. remember at the end of my smoking life, you know, really being angry at myself and, you know, kind of hard on myself if I lit a cigarette, it's like, oh, here you go again and you shouldn't be doing yeah. this. And you got all this negative self-talk going on. Mm-hmm. So I've always thought with this cause of disease that shame plays a role, that there's that, that knowledge of yourself and the shame that you feel because you're not behaving in your best interest. Mm-hmm. That you're, um, I don't know, a little sense of betrayal of self. Cause I think this mm-hmm. is a, I think this is a double whammy, this cause of yeah. disease. I think it's a physical problem. I'm not doing mm-hmm. the exercise I should be doing to keep, you know, my, my arteries clear and my heart pumping well, but I'm also hating myself a little bit because I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that I get the psychological impact and the physical impact. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so first off, you're not doing it. So you're not getting the benefit. And then second mm-hmm. off, you're lowering your uh, self-esteem or sense of self because you aren't doing it. And, and, and now you're feeling guilty about not doing it. And mm-hmm. then you feel, uh, wor- uh, well, I don't know, worthless or just not, uh, uh, that now, now you've got both the uh, physical aspect as well as the psychological aspect just beating you down. 
Right. And then, and how do I pacify that psychological aspect is by indulging in the thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it's like the guy who's, who's at the bar and he's drinking and he's complaining mm-hmm. about being an alcoholic and someone says, <laughs> well, why do you drink? And he goes, well, I drink to forget. Yeah. What, do you need, what do you need to forget that I'm an alcoholic? <laughs> yeah. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> but sometimes these these challenges. So it's you know when we think of it as a cause of disease, it's it's really saying our choices. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's an unconsciousness, a lack of awareness when it's a misuse of the senses. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I eat an entire bag of caramels that I'm going to have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) But once I've done it, now I know if I eat a second bag of caramels, yeah, yeah, I got issues. Yeah, Yeah. you know what? My my reptilian brain's now telling me, I want a caramel. (laughs) (laughs) She got to eat a whole bag of caramels and I don't get to eat a whole bag of caramels. (laughs) Yeah, So, so go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so our choices determine this cause of disease. It's whether or not I choose to align with those things that create health for me, or I choose to align with those things that may not create health for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's think, it seems like it should be an easy choice, but often your cravings will mm-hmm. outweigh your uh, logical thinking. Right. Yeah. Is I often use the phrase, I may have used already a few times, but it's simple, but not easy. It's simple for mm-hmm. someone to say, you know, oh yeah, just don't drink coffee, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not easy for people to do. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I don't think that eliminating these things, but we might bring awareness to them and say, how could I make this less challenging? Say a person who's talking about having insomnia, and then mm-hmm. you come to find out that they're drinking six, eight cups of coffee during the day. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, this could be an issue. And I always feel here, this is something I've, I've worked with a lot of people about is to find what is the benefit that you're getting from it? What's the, what's the positive yeah, that the you payoff. get from it? Yeah. Because if they don't get the payoffs, they're always going to come back to that thing because that yeah. gave them the payoff. Right. Right. And I think this is where it gets harder because People try to, what they call in Alcoholics Anonymous is white knuckle things. You know, it's just, I'm just not Mm going to do it. And I'm going to close my fists and resist, resist, resist. But then eventually, you know, I open my hands and it's, it's all going to come back. Right. And so it's this idea of working with the consciousness or with your awareness of yourself and boosting that self-esteem and saying, you know, I'm not a bad person because I'm doing this. I have this need. I'm going to pick on alcohol for a minute is I'll talk to people about, you know, they'll come in the door after work and have a glass of wine. And I say, what does it, what does it do for you? Why I seem to relax. Mm -hmm. Like, that's great. Let's find four other things you can do to relax. And alcohol becomes one of five things you can do. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to have the glass of wine, have the glass of wine. But if you want to take a bath, take a Mm -hmm. bath. If you want to go for a walk, you want to talk to your partner, you want to color in a mandala coloring book, you can do whatever you Mm -hmm. want. I think so often we've limited our choices to next to yeah. nothing. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes that that's my only choice. Okay. And it doesn't so, help that they're addicted. Uh-huh. You know, I think this keeps coming back to uh, mindfulness and, and, mm-hmm. and being aware of what you're doing and being aware of how what you're doing is affecting you and, and, and being centered with, centered with what, what's actually happening. Yeah. 
And so I'd say the, the phrase that came to mind for me was everything old is new again. You know, mindfulness has now became a real cachet in the last few words. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't call it that so much, but it was that idea of, oh, I have the choice in this situation. And I mm-hmm. think I, this is great. You mentioned the reptilian brain because like we don't have choice of the reptilian brain. Mm-hmm. Right. That's in the, the midbrain with the center part where we don't get to make decisions and we don't go into the outer parts of the brain, the cerebral parts of the brain, unless we're relaxed. When we're in stress or in survival mode, we're stuck in that reptilian brain. We have no right. choice but to behave in the way we behave. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to you know a big factor here, which they never mentioned. It comes up in our next phase of disease, which is stress. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're the more stress we're under the more we're going to act against our best interests and the more we're going to misuse our senses. Yeah. Because I think in stress, we're just in survival mode. Right. I got to get through today and figure things out. So the the third of the, what's called the trifold cause of disease, the three causes of disease is aging. Mm -hmm. And this is not just biological age, not just I'm 62 and so I'm aging and so I'm going to break down, but it's about that passing of time and the amount of stress I've been under, because under stress, I've made these poor choices. I've been choosing things that I've been acting against my wisdom, um, basically because I, I I had to, you know, that's what, what I thought was survival. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. this, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that uh, just the idea of stress, there's a lot of stress in our culture. And, and mm-hmm. it's, it's something that you have to be able to uh, uh, deal with and and manage and and stress can be both um, uh, positive things as well as negative things add to your stress. Getting married can have a lot of stress. Getting uh, having a new child can have a lot of stress, and uh, just all the issues around it. And it's it's sometimes hard to um, manage your stress when that's eh, part of just being alive in in today's world. Uh, but mm-hmm. that that again, I guess, goes back to that uh, idea of. You're using your wisdom to see how to uh, keep uh, some kind of balance with it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we talked about it with the pillars of health too, is being proactive, being able Mm -hmm. to look ahead at my day and going, oh, that's going to be kind of stressful or my week or my month, Mm -hmm. knowing that I have finals coming up and how stressful is that going to be or knowing that I have a presentation to do and how can I go into that as calmly and yeah. And as grounded as I can so that I can handle it without it throwing me off. Yeah. Um, I had a, a thought where you're talking about those stresses, those positive stresses and negative stresses. I think we tend to celebrate the positive stresses in the same way we manage the negative stresses. Oh, okay. So they get in a positive, you know, oh, you're getting married. Oh, there's the alcohol, we're toasting and we're, <laughs> we're having true. these actions. Yeah. And now we're having a problem in our relationship. We're reaching for a drink. You know, it's like yeah. the... I wonder about that. I've never thought about that before, but it's kind of the ways that we celebrate are the things we bring in for celebration because it's dealing with a stress on that end. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a happy stress is the same way we might manage that. That's interesting. Um, Yeah. yeah, They're they're both maybe, maybe might be considered maladaptive uh, forms of uh, (laughs) adapting to your stressors, but if it's effective and and there's no negative consequences, I suppose you're okay. (laughs) Well, it's really interesting because like there's a book that Ayurveda, oh, there's a text of Ayurveda practice. Its name is called the Charaka Samhita. In it, like this book is over a thousand years old. 
and they have a section on alcoholism and how to support people who have who are drinking too much. And I thought that was yeah. really interesting because we tend to think with these, uh, I, I don't think it's a primitive culture at all, but it's, we, we tend to put people in this, it was a thousand years ago, that they wouldn't have the same, they certainly don't have the same accessibilities we do, but they would have completely different problems and they wouldn't have as much stress as we have or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I guess you just have stress no matter what. Well, <laughs> stress is part of life, right? You know? Yeah. I, I, I think that... Uh, it's hard to avoid. It is, you can manage it, I suppose, mostly by being prepared mm -hmm. and, uh, and recognizing that stress will be coming and then having uh, uh, what works right for you. I, I know mm -hmm. sometimes I, I just do some um, breathing exercises when I get stressed. Mm -hmm. It'll say like in traffic and I'm frustrated and I'm going to be late for something. Take a deep breath, you know, hold it for uh, five to 10 seconds and then let it out slowly, and then try to uh, uh, slow my respirations down. And it, it can help to manage my stress when, even though I can't change the uh, situation. Uh, th things of that nature. Yeah, that's a really good point because it's bringing yourself into this moment. I think mm -hmm. you breathe and you got, because when you're controlling that breath and you're, you're doing all this, then you've got to be right here. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. so I love that having a tool and that's, that's what I like Ayurveda about, that it gives us a lot of tools to put in that toolkit for handling whatever's coming up, you know, in mm -hmm. this moment. So just to review these causes of disease, because I'll probably mention them a few times, is yeah. the first cause of disease is just when we forget that we don't have to be caught up in this drama. We forget that we are more than this body, more than this mind, where we're a being having an experience and then when we forget, we start using those senses and we might go to misuse of the senses is a way when we don't know something's going to be a problem for us. And then once we do know, we get an opportunity to act in alignment with that wisdom to say, okay, mm -hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that anymore. Or we act against our best interests and we start to indulge in behaviors that may not serve us, or we avoid those behaviors that would help us stay healthier. Mm -hmm. And then as we age, the more often we're doing these things that create distress in the body, um, the more problematic it becomes. This is where lifestyle diseases are going to come in, diabetes, obesity, heart disease, because mm -hmm. we can look at what choices have I made over how long a period of time. What kind of be those things? Okay, so so it again, I, I I just keep going back to being mindful. What's happening mm -hmm. with you? And how how what's going on around you, and how is this affecting your body and your mind and your life? Exactly, mm -hmm. and I think for people that are listening, they might look at it and say, "Oh, in what ways might I be acting against my best interest? What are some things I could do that I keep beating myself up for not doing, mm -hmm. or what are some things that I?" am doing that I keep beating myself up for doing and say, huh, what's the payoff? What do I get out yeah. of this? Yeah. How can I, how can I get that need met? Because mm -hmm. I think that's really important to recognize you're not doing anything bad. You're trying to get some need met. I remember um, when I was smoking, one of the things I realized when I was very young, my dad smoked, our dad smoked. Yeah, yeah, right. And I can recall being, you know, maybe four or five years old, and I would sit in the chair with him while he had a cigarette going, and he'd be reading me a story. Mm -hmm. 
And so I really thought for me, a lot of this whole smoking was like getting that kind of attention and affection. And so it was a way to recreate that. And when I looked at that, I went, oh, well, I could do that different ways. And again, so it was like really finding that what's the thing, because it could be something really, I don't know, kind of weird and dumb, like sitting <laughs> like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody would say, oh, you're smoking because you want to go back and be a four-year-old getting a yeah, book read yeah. to you, you know? Yeah, interesting. <sighs> so, but this has been fun. And so it's just like looking at the causes of disease and starting to mm-hmm. consider, am I cultivating health or am I courting disease? And then how can I make those choices? And so yeah. we'll go further into how Ayurveda might help you and support you in making choices. Okay. Well, good. So I guess we're wrapping up. We're wrapping and, up. Uh, we're at 28. I figure we've got a few minutes to cut out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So just, just a, 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 my take on it is that uh, it looked like we talked a lot about how your senses can both uh, uh, guide you into making good choices, but it can also uh, derail you sometimes into making negative choices. And you just want to be more aware of how your senses are doing and what you're doing and how they're um, either controlling you or how they maybe are giving you a message uh, to what, what's the right way to go. And uh, then again, I think it right it goes right in with uh, just being mindful and um, conscious of what's happening in your body and around you. Yeah. And be kind to yourself. Yeah. You know, as you look at making these judgments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, know you don't you don't want to add the stress. <laughs> I know, really. We become our biggest stressors, I think. Yeah, yeah. That that that's that certainly is a risk, I guess, of being um, too uh, uh, conscious. Because sometimes you you know it's, it's okay to have some candy once in a while. Exactly. Exactly. I don't want to avoid doing those things I really enjoy. If I'm at a wedding, I want to toast the couple and and enjoy that and not feel like I can't do something uh, Mm -hmm. because it's bad. Now, certainly, I mean, there's some poisons and stuff I don't want to do, but if something's minimally problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think an overall uh, thing when you talk about um, overindulgence is um, just are there negative consequences that result from continued use. If you have negative consequences, well, then that's something you don't want, you want to avoid. Mm-hmm. But if you can do it to an extent and not, and it doesn't result in negative consequences. Mm-hmm. And, and I would take, uh, uh, whether it's indulging sweets or alcohol, or, uh, uh, whatever, it's, it's okay. You know, it's just, uh, if it's not causing negative consequences, you're going to do fine. If it is, maybe you might want to uh, change that so you don't have to have those negative things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that goes to mindfulness and mm-hmm. and caring for yourself. Yeah. Okay. So thank you very much, Jerry. This has been a really great conversation. And uh-huh. so, on behalf yeah. of myself and my brother Jerry, we wish you wish you well, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Good deal. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com/slash now. You can always find us for free wherever you find your podcasts. And remember to subscribe so you'll have access to the latest episodes. We're glad you're here.